Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Well, welcome back to the second hour of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And coming up this hour, we will have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week. And our theme is, don't hear what I'm not saying. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is, you know, the pro-rights community is often mischaracterized and misrepresented, and sometimes that even comes from fellow pro-rights people or groups in our own communities, and that is frustrating. But other times, we see people attribute heroic qualities to actions that politicians make, kind of like that Senate floor sit-in we saw recently, that are undeserved. And our next guest, Miss Antonia Okafer, called out the nonsense when she wrote her article in Bearing Arms titled, Black America is not buying your gun control lies, Congressman Lewis. Well, welcome to the show, Miss Antonia. Are you there? I am. Thank you so much for the introduction. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for that article. Um, uh, you know, we met very briefly in Kentucky recently at the NRA meetings, and mm-hmm. I knew instantly that I liked you, that I wanted to have you on. <laughs> You're usually talking about campus carry, but then when I saw this article, you, you were like saying exactly what I was thinking, um, and, and I thought you were such a powerful voice. So um, tell us what... First, let's talk about you, though. What, what is your mm-hmm. background? Were you raised around firearms? Actually, no. Um, no, I wasn't raised around firearms, and I'll, I'll go a step further. I was uh, raised in a Democrat home. I, I, I myself was a Democrat as well. Um, so in 2012, I decided I would never vote for another Democrat um, going forward, and, and I would fight for um, individual rights and freedom, and I've been doing that ever since. So, um, yeah, so I'm definitely a converter. I'm an Obama supporter to a freedom lover. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it. Uh, the, you know, now I'm a freedom lover, and really, I yeah. mean, that's that is what so many of us stand for. And uh, it really doesn't matter what what letter is behind our name, whether it's an R or a D or an mm-hmm. I. We really are about preserving, protecting, reclaiming our freedoms. And so when you see what was going on with this sit-in, how did, how did that strike you? Well, I knew exactly what, what he was doing, what they were doing. Um, and, you know, as someone who's, you know, converted and changed to a different party, and I just really realized that my conservative values, you know, I've always been conservative, uh, but... I realized that the party was where I had to change that and to, you know, represent my values. Um, and I see that a lot in the minority community, particularly the black um, community, of being having these conservative values but being in a party that has continuously taken advantage of 95% turnout for themselves. So 
Um, I knew that what they were doing was to make this something about civil rights, to make this something, again, about if you're black, if you care about minorities, if you're not racist, then therefore you should be for gun control. And I immediately started writing because I knew that this was going to be something that would impact just one more voice or one more person um, to think that if they were going to vote for somewhere, someone or, or some way, it has to be for this this you know brave um, um, group of people that were putting the sit-in around um, about at that time. And so um, that's kind of where I came from. I just knew that I had to say something, and I knew I had a unique voice, and I wanted other people like me to know that our voices are different and varied, just like any type of people, and that we have different ideas and thoughts and beliefs, and um, they don't represent them. So... Well, I have so many questions, and I think I'll start with the one that's floating in my mind. That was there a was there a hinge moment for you where you said, you know, was it about the Second Amendment? Was that the thing that made the difference for you between you know, uh, voting Democratic and and voting Republican? Um, I wouldn't say that was the initial uh, callus, if you will. Um, I would say actually more fiscal issues, you know, voting for Obama. I, I voted for him when I was 18, I mean, you know, my first time to vote. Um, I was at Emory University at the time, so in Atlanta, Georgia. So you can just imagine uh, mm-hmm. what it was at that time and how, you know, it was just, I mean, I'm not saying that I, you know, don't think that how I voted was right at the time, right. Um, meaning, you know, it was just, it was a different time, and it was just something where people were very excited about something different. But I really realized what that different was, or that change was, um, when I was about to graduate for co- graduate college, realizing that wow, this economy that you know the news media cycle has said that Obama has done great things for um, is not true. It's not good. It's not going to help my generation. It's it's putting us back, and it's going to affect us for generations to come. And and so that's what really. Um, spark something in me to really figure out what are my values, how do they connect to who I'm voting um, for, and what are the policies that those people I'm voting for, um, what, are they, what are they putting forth, and how does that connect? And so um, just a little, you know, doing all that and at the same time um, becoming born again Christian, I realized that I couldn't uh, vote for a party or, or for any individual that didn't represent my value. Wow. So that is a mouthful for sure. And, and, you know, when you talk about how it doesn't connect to me, Congressman Lewis specifically sitting on, you know, doing this sit in to Mm -hmm. to really infringe on our due process is so in the opposite direction of what he was doing with Martin Luther King back in the 60s, fighting for civil rights. And it's like, where did how does that disconnect happen? Exactly. When you're using a constitutionally um, protected right to limit another constitutionally protected right, there you know there's something off there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just it's exactly what you said. The MLK and a lot of people don't know that. They don't know um, on, on either side really. They don't know that MLK uh, tried to um, unfortunately fail because he was denied that permit, but tried to get a concealed carry um, permit so he could protect himself and his family. Um, People also don't know that the KKK, right, is uh, actually started, if you look at history, started as a gun control group. Mm-hmm. And free slaves would use guns to be able to protect themselves against um, bigots uh, like like them. And so um, for the African-American community, 
guns and that right to bear arms is has such a pivotal um, influence in um, in history and has been time and time again something that has helped any type of minority community against a tyrannical government that might not be for them at the time. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I wanted the facts to be out there, and a lot of people don't know about that, whether you're black or white or what have you. Um, and so I knew that they were going to use this inf- misinformation to try to skew it to the point of, well, gun control is really for you when history has shown otherwise. Are you getting much pushback on your article or mostly well, I support mean, for your article? <laughs> you know, I, I get a lot of support and I, I choose to look at that a lot more than any type of pushback. Mm-hmm. Um, it has gained a lot of, you know, a lot of people resonate um, with it and on both sides, you know, I've had someone actually tell me another African-American woman and um, and she, she didn't, we don't really see eye to eye and more, most policy stuff, but she, she told me, you know, this article is what really changed my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really see it that way. You know, I didn't see it that way and it really changed my mind with campus carry, um, but also with, uh, with this issue. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to spread awareness and that message that, Hey, um, to anyone, I'm like, Hey, we are out there. We might be unicorns. Uh, you know, there's black you know, black Americans who love um, the Second Amendment and who are going to advocate for individual right to bear arms. Um, but it's not really uncommon. It's actually perfectly aligned with our history and our values and uh, what is best for us when it comes to civil rights. Well, Antonio, this is Dan. Um, you probably got a little pushback from Congressman Lewis, though, didn't you? <laughs> He has not reached out to me. Um, <laughs> that would be interesting so. if he does. You have to let me know immediately. and We're bringing you back on the show. Um, well, we already have to start wrapping up, but do tell us, you know, how do people follow your work? And and especially when it comes to the campus, Carrie, uh, how do we tap into what you're doing there? Yeah, well, you know, I definitely need a lot of support on that on that issue, um, particularly here in Texas. You would think that would be opposite, but if they first go on concealedcampus.org, that's our website. Uh, we're Students for Concealed Carry. That's our organization. It's a national organization. Anyone can get involved. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a Bearing Arms contributor, so um, any ideas that you guys have, let me know, and I'd love to talk about it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a show on Campus Carry not too long from now, so I will probably be ringing you up to talk about that. Oh, great. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm I l- excited. <laughs> I love it. Thank you again so much. Keep doing what you're doing out there. It's important work. You're you're a young voice. You're 26. You are um you know, a converted <laughs> person uh, from from the anti-gun to the to the pro-rights, and you do have an important voice, so please keep using it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye. All Bye. right. Well, stick around. We still have David Cole coming up. Now, you know, our, our theme today is don't hear what I'm not saying, and so, you know, I kind of think that there's some some it sounds contradictory what I what I'm saying with that theme and uh, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about with Dave Cole kind of fits into that like for example he trains people to use guns safely and responsibly but yet he's not in favor of a mandatory government rule 
proper training. So I think that's interesting and actually kind of in alignment with, with how I think. But we've got a lot of great things to talk about with David. So stick around. Be sure and come back to us right after this break. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And our theme today is don't hear what I'm not saying. And a little later in the show, of course, we have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week. But right now, we have former U.S. Army officer, police officer, and SWAT officer. He's also a contributor to Ken Blanchard's Black Man with a Gun website. He is my friend Dave Cole. And our theme today kind of points out some contradictions that exist in people's rhetoric and their characterization of the gun community. And our whole conversation with Dave is going to be kind of thick with those things. Like, for example, Dave, you're a white guy who writes for black man with a gun. What is that about? <laughs> Are you with us? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Good to talk to you, Cheryl. You too. Um, believe me, believe me, that was a, a, a point of interest during the uh, recent NRA annual meeting where we met in person. <laughs> Um, I got a lot of looks walking around the uh, show floor with a press pass that had my name and black man with a gun on it. 
<laughs> because I'm clearly not black. You were clearly and, uh, not black. Right. The, uh, the, the press room didn't put the dot-com after the black man with a gun, so I got lots of looks and even some, uh, some incredulous questions asking, uh, what's that all about? Um, <laughs> and, and what it, but what it is all about is uh, I, I write on gun rights at uh, Ken Blanchard's website, blackmanwithagun.com. Um, Ken was gracious enough to invite me on board about three years ago. It was um, not long after the Sandy Hook murders, and as we all know, gun rights were under extreme assault at the time. Mm-hmm. And Ken had stood up a, a, a separate website called Gun Rights Magazine that he was trying to staff to to address the issues. And he had reached out generally, I believe just on Facebook, for anybody that writes that can help out. And I just kind of thought, what the heck, let's do it. And I reached out to Ken. He asked for writing samples. I sent him a few things I'd already written. Uh, And uh, within about an hour, he emailed me back and said, can I start posting this stuff? I love it. Yeah, I said, absolutely. And and as they say, the rest is history. I've I've been with him now since then. And, and kind of my beat is on the website on Black Man with a Gun is gun rights. And it's, uh, as we all know, it's a never-ending battle. It is a never-ending battle. And, you know, Dan and I, uh, Dan's been in guns his whole life. Um, he's 61 now. And, I mean, he mm-hmm. was actually, because the laws were different back then, his dad would set up uh, gun shows here around Arizona. And he would actually, Dan, as a, what, Dan, lean into the microphone, 12, as a 12-year-old, year old, he would be selling guns. Right. Now, safely and responsibly, and it was legal at uh-huh. the time. Um, and so he's been in guns his whole life. And we've had our, our shop, azfirearms.com, for about 10 years now. And in these 10 years, we have gone from... Just being, you know, a normal little mom and pop shop to like, you know, the villains, you know, the purveyors of death because some one bad guy does something horrible with a gun. And so now all of us bear that guilt. Right. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. oh, well, we're the heroes and we're what everybody, you know, wants to protect their lives. So now we've got lines out the door and everybody loves us. And then something else happens and we are the purveyors of death again. And, you know, yeah, we used to go to events and they ask us what we do and we'd say, well, we have an auction house and a gun store Yeah, (laughs) because we just didn't know. And it's a terrible way. Now, now it's we have a gun shop and an auction house. (laughs) So, Uh yeah, so you've seen it too. and, And I came up. Right. I came up kind of the same way. I live in northern Kentucky near the Cincinnati area right now, but I grew up in East Tennessee, and I had guns from pretty much the time I could walk and hold one. I, you know, I tell people the story, I, and, and it's the truth. I honestly don't remember the first time I shot a gun. I mean, it was that far back. I just don't have any memory of it. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. And, well, you are. And, uh, but... It, Go ahead. I was going to say, you are a great voice, and you are so well-spoken, so well-written, that I'm, I'm really glad that you and Ken Blanchard hooked up so that your, your voice continues to get out there. But I, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, that's okay. I was just, uh, I was, because, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to find ways, you know, as, as you do with your show and your website, and I do on Black Man with a Gun, um, to reach out to people so we don't have to say, I have a gun shop in, in a whisper mm-hmm. and, and that it's not, you know, it's not a shameful thing. And much more than that, it's, it's a civil right uh, that people in 
this country and, and in other countries as to human right have should be able to enjoy unencumbered and it's just a to try and continually get that message out and for those of us that grew up with it it's something it, it could be really easy to be taken for granted but now we have this influx of new people and uh, and we need to get this message out and of course with some of the some of the news that we have from time to time like Orlando and Sandy Hook and things we we have to defend those rights and, and here we are and here we are right and so, right. you know, I totally agree with you that it, it seems like such a disconnect that people, you know, they, they scream and yell for their civil rights and they'll, they'll you know, do their sit-ins and they'll, they'll do all that stuff for their civil rights. And then all of a sudden they come up upon the, the Second Amendment and it's like you could hear the tires screeching on the pavement. And it's like... Exactly. No, that's, that's not a civil right. I don't know what you're talking about. And even the ACLU, that's- up until this recent push... Uh, with the no-fly, no-buy list, has been pretty mum on it, haven't they? They have. And, and it's interesting, though, that with the the recent push to uh, conjoin the terrorist watch list and the no-fly list with gun purchasing and gun rights, gun ownership rights, that, that now we find the ACLU and the NRA hand-in-hand hand agreeing on things. <laughs> And where it's got to be chilly down like in you, hell like right now, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm doing some ice skating. Um, but, uh, but it is a civil right, and I think that a lot of times is where some of the disconnect comes from. And I, I always think back to the, the time when uh, the Roman Polanski, I think it was, was being accused of, of raping the young actress, and Whoopi Goldberg famously said on her TV show that it wasn't rape-rape. And I think about people, they look at the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms, and they think, well, it's not a right right. Mm. You know, it's it's just a kind of right, as mm-hmm. long as it's not too inconvenient for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to know what a, and, what a, a rape, not a rape rape is. <laughs> Man. <laughs> you'll, wow. have to, you'll have to ask Whoopi Goldberg, because I don't get that one either. But um, You know, I, I don't understand. I'm not a minority, at least right now I'm not. But the... the like the, for instance, the Jewish people in Germany, how they were, um, their guns were taken away from them, and then they were killed, and and how blacks are treated in the United States. Right. Why not defend themselves? Why, you know, why aren't they pro-gun? Why why isn't there so many? I I would be, or even being gay or anything else. If I'm a minority, I want that equalizer. Right, and. And I think that it, it still it comes down to the recognition of the right to keep and bear arms as a civil right on equal footing with all the others. And, you know, we hear, you know, one of the common attacks that we get, especially after the Orlando murders, is, you know, the assault rifle or assault weapon attacks, and they say nobody needs an AR-15. Well, and I just wrote an article on, on Black Man with a Gun about the Bill of Needs, and it's not the Bill of Needs, it's the Bill of Rights. And you can, we can point out any number of things that you don't need that, that could potentially cause harm, but yet we recognize your right to have it. You know, an example I use is a swimming pool in your backyard. You don't need one, mm-hmm. but you absolutely have a right to own one. And yet if we got rid of them, that would certainly reduce the drownings in the country. Mm-hmm. Or alcohol, driving right. a car. Sure, right. sure. Alcohol, a, a nice, fast Chevy Corvette that will do three times the speed limit. 
Mm-hmm. You don't need that, but you have a right to it. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to have it until you abuse that right to the point where you injure someone else and then you have consequences. To Dave, pay. when you say we don't need something, you sound like my wife. You don't need. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Just keep it nice here. Um, we brought well, I, I can be pretty confident she's not talking about a new gun when she says that. So. <laughs> not anymore. But That's true. when I got the howitzers, she kind of questioned that. Well, that was, you know, one howitzer in a family is fine, but now we have two. So it's like, you know, we're just being greedy at hers. that point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. His, uh, he his was, and hers howitzers. He yeah. was smart. He bought me mine first, so then I couldn't say anything about him having his, right? Um, well, we're smart gonna... play, Danny. Smart play. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, he doesn't need any encouragement now. Um, we are uh, coming up on a commercial break, so uh, we just have a, a couple of minutes, but you're going to stick through with us, right? Absolutely. Oh, awesome, because we have a lot more to talk about. And one of the things when we come back is something I touched on earlier, and that is, you know, it seems like a contradiction, but I don't believe it is, that that you are a trainer. You train people to to handle firearms safely and responsibly, but yet you're not in mm-hmm. favor of the government mandating that. And so I want right. to dig into that a little bit when we come back from break. Um, and I think... You know, I there are people out there I can hear in my head right now one specific friend I have that that uh, was probably going to argue against us as he hears us talk. But I think that's <laughs> good. Right. Because if they're arguing, if they're sure. chewing on the information, they're engaged. And that's good. Right. right? Absolutely. Having a conversation. That's what they want. Absolutely. All right. Well, sit tight, Dave. We're going to put you on hold for a second. And uh, all of our listeners out there, please hang on because there's a lot more coming up. And if you want to tune out for a second during the commercial, that's okay. Just go to our website while you're waiting. Check out gunfreedomradio.com. You can see pictures and bios on every one of our guests. You can read blogs that I've written and guests have written. Every single one of our shows is posted there as a recording under the On Demand tab. And there's even a Contact Us. Use that to let us know what you're thinking. You know, we know what we're thinking. We want to hear what you're thinking. This is a conversation. Stay invested. Stay engaged. And let us know what's on your mind. GunFreedomRadio.com So stick around. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town, Avondale, off the I-10 and Dysart Road, and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. 
Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at polygoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. Sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Our theme today is don't hear what I'm not saying. Sounds like Cheryl let <laughs> something again here. Anyway, uh, we've been we've held over Dave Cole. He's a former U.S. Army officer, a police officer and SWAT officer, and a contributor to Ken Blanchard's Black Man with a Gun website. Are you still with us, Dave? I sure am. Well, before the break, I was saying that, um, you know, we the, the theme, don't hear what I'm not saying, almost sounds like a contradiction of itself. And so, you know, as I was thinking about the things I wanted to talk with you about, um, the fact that you're a, a trainer, a firearms instructor, but yet you, you're not in favor of a government mandate to training, almost sounds like a contradiction. Um, but I wanted you to talk about that a little bit, if you would. Well, and you're absolutely right. It does sound like a contradiction, and it, and it's always interesting the reaction that you get when you say that to, to even other gun owners or enthusiasts who will, many will will start backpedaling right away and say, well, you know, you need some sort of training, and that part I don't disagree with. Obviously, being a trainer and an instructor, I believe in getting more training, and, and I go to training myself. I've got a class next weekend I'm going to to work on my own skills, um, and I encourage people to do that when I teach a concealed carry class. I, I tell my students right off the bat, this is just the beginning. This is just getting your training wheels going, and there's a lot more to do. But I think the problem comes uh, when we're talking about what we consider a civil human right, the right of self-defense, the right to keep and bear arms, as inviolate that with mandatory government-required training, then you're now conditioning the exercise of civil right on some arbitrary training standard that some politicians and bureaucrats came up with. And, and where that gets to be problematic, again, is that, you know, training isn't free. It takes money. It takes time. It takes ammunition. All that costs money. It uses up resources. And now there's a barrier in the way of exercising that civil right. And not a lot of people have that money. I mean, I've, I've been to Gunsight a couple of times, and while that is, I think, some of the best training you'll ever get, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. And everybody can't go to Gunsight. Everybody can't go to Thunder Ranch and so on. Um, well, then there's so the travel you, expense and, and everything else involved. Sure, sure. And, and so you're now conditioning a civil right on money and time and the expenditure you know we got rid of poll taxes in this country a long time ago because people realize that you disenfranchise someone from their voting rights when they have to pay money in order to cast that vote Hmm. and if we recognize gun rights as the civil right that they are to require the expenditure of that 
those resources to exercise that right, I think that's wrong. Well, you know, Dave, I'm a, a responsible gun owner, and I think that everybody mm-hmm. should get training. Period. Should. Now, the thing about... And I agree, absolutely. Right. The thing about mandatory is that we're going to have a government agency tell us how we need to be trained, and they're going to make us go through a bunch of hoops that we shouldn't do. I'm a gunsmith. Right. I've been a gunsmith right. all my life. I didn't go through a school. Should it be mandatory that I go through a school? Because I'm good at what I do. Mm-hmm. Should I? Should it be mandatory? Right. Well, you're not a gunsmith because you didn't go through a school. Well, give me a gun. I'll show you I can fix it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> right. and, and, and it's not mandatory. So if they would have made it mandatory, I wouldn't have been able to do it because I had to do it on my pace, my time, when I could do it. So it's the same thing with that. If we're doing mandatory gun training, People, there's not people that are not going to do it because they don't have the time to do it in the schedule that they force them to do it in. Right, and and again, the money that's involved, uh, good training isn't cheap, and it, it it is worthwhile. But to mandate it with government laws and regulation, you're now putting the the burden and the threat of some sort of negative action and the infringement of a right or possibly civil or criminal charges because you're you have a gun and you're not properly trained and and now it's 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 a negative thing and it's a penalty and i think there's ways where we could positively encourage training without turning it into a mandate that disenfranchises somebody from their rights right and you know the other thing too is that it's just that the training they're going to make us do if they did it mandatory there's going to be so many things that aren't relevant to what we're doing it's true. And in Australia, they implemented, you know, all right, well, if you're going to keep your long arms, then I think it's only with the, the their uh, long arms that they can even have, then they have to go to certified training um, uh, places, and they have to have so many hours per week or month or whatever it is, and then they have to pay to store their firearm, there, and it just mm-hmm. becomes so prohibitive that, therefore, people have to to give them up. So I, I agree with you. I'm not in favor of right, yeah. a mandate. But Burdening people... a, a civil right on the expenditure of resources. And we don't tolerate that in just about any other, when you're talking about any other right, you know, if you want to have a website and a blog, you don't have to go out and take mandatory training and get licensed and all that and spend mm-hmm. that money. Right. You but, pay WordPress and you set up your, you set up your blog. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that you know, if we uh, charge people for a driver's license so they can vote to, to vote, that that's taking away their rights, yeah. you know, because they can't afford to uh, pay for the ID card, the ten dollar fee, and that we're, we're we're abusing that. So right, and if the the you know, as far as I know, most states I, I don't think it's that expensive to get a driver's license or a state sponsored ID, and it's certainly cheaper than going and taking a even day long gun class. Right. It's true. So if that's infringing on a right, then this certainly is. Well, and so with that a topic we just talked about, what, what a lot of people are going to, and, and I think what a lot of the mainstream medium would do is hear you say that you don't want mandatory training, and then they'd say, well, look at this guy. He says nobody should get training, and that's why I'm saying the theme is don't hear what I'm not saying. And then exactly. the next topic I wanted to talk about is you know gun-free zones. Well, they sound like that would be the safest place on earth, right? But uh, right. maybe maybe not so much, and you have some thoughts on that. 
Well, and it certainly, if you if you look at history, while they may seem like it would be a great safety measure, in, in fact and in practice, it hasn't turned out that way. It's among those of us in the in the gun rights community and conversation, we all are pretty familiar with the statistic that of in the last 50 years, there have only been a couple of mass shootings that have taken place in, in a location that isn't a gun-free zone. Almost all of them are in gun-free zones. And um, I think the problem becomes it's an emotional response. Um, people want to do something, and it's very cheap and easy to put up a sign. But if you look at the effectiveness of it, it, it actually has the opposite effect of encouraging bad guys to do bad things. There's evidence that the uh, shooter at the movie theater in Colorado a few years ago actually drove past other theaters with even higher capacity as far as audience, more potential bodies in there. He passed them by and went to the one in Aurora because it was a gun-free zone and the others weren't, and he knew he wouldn't have any armed opposition there. Gun-free zones should so, be a place where you can get a gun for free. <laughs> That's the only reason they should only, be gun-free zones. If only. Right? Dan is always working the right. angles, right? Um, well, we're, again, almost running out of time. It goes oh, wow. so quickly. But, you know, we met each other at the uh, the NRA meeting recently in Kentucky. And uh, you've mentioned that the gearing up already for the NRA meeting for 2017 should be or is an important part of what citizens should be doing. And we should be not only politically active, but informed. And and that, you know, it, it really does affect our gun rights. The vote affects our gun rights. And so what do you say to people who would say, well, I want to be involved, I want to be informed, but, you know, they wrinkle up their nose and they say, but the NRA, mm. what do you say right. to those people? Well, unfortunately, I tend to start out a little bit hard-nosed on this one because I often tell people like that, especially if they're gun owners, mm-hmm. they're enjoying their gun freedoms right now, and they wrinkle up their nose and they say, I don't want, I, I don't want to join the NRA because of the junk mail, or I don't want to because I don't like, you know, Ted Nugent on the board, or they come up with some sort of reason. And I generally tell them, you know, listen, if you enjoy your gun freedoms and you're not willing to join the NRA, then all I want you to say to me is thank you. Hmm. Because the rest of us are pulling the load for you. Consider, hmm. consider where gun rights would be today had the NRA never existed. That's a for great all point. its good and bad points. And... I'm not saying I agree with everything the NRA does. I, I can't think of a single organization that I agree with everything they do. Exactly. But taken on the whole, the positive good that the NRA has done for gun rights, for our ability to own the firearms that we want to enjoy for sport or hunting, to have for self-defense and exercise of that civil right, a huge, huge measure of debt is owed to the to the NRA, which is a member-driven organization for the preservation of that right. So if if you're not out helping us pull the load, then you can just tell me thank you and move on. Now, I realize that's kind of a hard-line response. I don't, but the, the I don't other, read it that other, way. I don't hear it that way. I think it's but fair. the other side of that, and, and talking about the NRA annual meeting is, you know, we hear... We hear politicians, who shall remain nameless, but we all know who they are, <laughs> talking about uh, gun culture 
and they wrinkle up their nose when they say gun culture, and they say it like it's a dirty word and it's a bad thing, and we need to change the gun culture. And to those people, I would challenge them that you don't know gun culture. Mm-hmm. Come to the NRA annual meeting. I'll see you in Atlanta, and we'll go look around, and we'll meet people, and you will find out that gun culture is freaking awesome. <laughs> it's the best people. And, and and honestly, that's the reason I go to the NRA show anymore. I mean, it's great to go and look at all the cool stuff. It is. But the best part is the people that you meet and get to talk to, and you find out that they're just like you. They're... It's a very diverse crowd. There's men, women, there's all races, there's kids, there's old people, there's hipsters, there's any category you can throw out there. They're at the NRA annual meeting, and you find out that gun culture is not a bad thing, and it's a great place to be. It's like a big family reunion. Dave, also, one thing I noticed, it's my first NRA convention, but you could carry a Mm -hmm. loaded gun, and there was no incidents. Mm -hmm. Nope. And and we, we see all the violent protests at, at candidate Trump's um, rallies everywhere, except that he spoke at the NRA annual meeting and there was no violence whatsoever. Yeah. So. No well, they had, they had tells there. you something. They, their excuse for that, there was four drops of rain. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so Protesters I, I th- don't yeah. come out in the rain, apparently. And they don't also come out and throw eggs at people who are armed. So I'm just going to say that. But um, <laughs> right. real quickly, before we go, I just I, okay. not only do I want to be sure that people can can follow you and find you, but I also want to point mm-hmm. out that the NRA has s- spent so much of its time and energy, money and resources on training and even right. the children's program, the Eddie Eagle, that has nothing to do with selling guns or pushing a gun culture. It's actually telling kids, don't touch a gun. And the National Rifle Association was founded as a training organization. It only got into the political side when our gun rights were threatened so severely. But it, originally it was founded to increase gun safety and marksmanship. Mm-hmm. It's so true. So I, I do think they get a bad rap. Um, somebody just today on my uh, my Gun Freedom Radio personality page uh, started just throwing up these random pictures of, you know, like bloody hands. And then below that is just the three letters NRA. And I'm like, okay, I entertain right. anyone who has intelligent commentary or uh, you sure. know, really seeking information with an intelligently formed question, but I don't entertain that kind of nonsense. So those will be deleted. Right. <laughs> sure. But, you know, and, and talking about the gun culture and the gun community, I think at the end of the day, one of the best things we can do is to simply be a good ambassador. Yes. And so that the people that see us and know us and watch us see us doing the right thing, whether it's going to get training without being told, handling our farms safely and doing the right thing, um, that's, I think that's the biggest thing we can do to further the gun culture because at the end of the day, all the legislation preserving the gun rights aren't going to be any good at all if the next generation doesn't follow behind us. So you got to take people shooting, you got to show them the right way and be a good ambassador so that they're going to join us and not fight us. Uh, you know, it's the, the movie Braveheart when there's the scene with Edward Longshank saying the problem with Scotland is it's full of Scots. And... <laughs> We don't want to run them out. We're going to breed them out. Well, 
if we breed out the next generation of gun owners, it won't mm. matter how strong the Second Amendment is because nobody's going to choose to exercise that right. So we've mm. got to be good ambassadors. We have to pass it on and, and teach people to do it right. You're right. And well, a lot of this is going to take care of itself. I agree. Really quickly, tell us how we find you, and then we've got to jump off. I am on blackmanwithagun.com. Anything you see on there for the most part that uh, addresses gun rights is me. And I'm also at Aegis Solutions LLC on Facebook. That's my training uh, organization, which is me. And that's where I am. I'm also on Twitter at under my name, Dave Cole. Very um, good. So All right. Well, good thank, talking with you Thank guys. you, sir, so much for your time. And I'm sure we're going to have you back on again. And we'll see you next year at the Anytime. NRA meeting. <laughs> you count on it. All right. Bye now. All right. Well, stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week right after this. Hi, folks. I'm Don Carter. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun-buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun-buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun, and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And I just want to take a second, Dan, and I just want to say how fortunate, how blessed we are to be able to have this program and to be able to speak to all the people we speak to, uh, as far as our listeners all across the nation and even in other parts of the globe, but but also the the guests that we get to spend time with, it's incredible. I mean, I'm excited about it too. I mean, we've had such a variety of guests. We've had Democrats. We had the member of the LGBT BT community. Community. Mm-hmm. We've we've had congressmen. We've had all types of people, and they all have their opinion, but. It's great. We're getting into conversations, and it's 
awesome. It's wonderful. And, you know, Dave Cole, our last guest, he was just saying how, you know, people want to talk about the gun culture. And some of them wrinkle their nose when they say the gun culture and it needs to be changed. And and he made a great point about how it is such a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds and and uh, socioeconomic uh, backgrounds. And I mean, you name it. And this show alone was an example. Well, I think because, you know, to be honest with you, most gun owners stayed in the closet for years. Mm -hmm. They they didn't want you to know they own guns because they didn't want come somebody coming in stealing their guns mm-hmm. or they just kept it to themselves because it was no big deal right. to own 12 guns in your closet. It was nothing. Now it's like, I want to keep my 12 guns. And so I'm going to have to speak out and I have to let everyone know mm-hmm. and not be afraid to say, yeah, I'm proud to be a gun owner. Mm-hmm. You know, let's true. get the NRA stickers out and let's go shooting and do these things. Right. So what an interesting time we get to live in. What a wonderful time in history when we have the ability to sit in a, a, a small studio in Scottsdale, Arizona, and be able to touch people, not just in our city, but in our state, in our country, beyond our country. It's incredible. And then we record all of these, and then they live on our website at gunfreedomradio.com under the On Demand tab. And I, it's it's just wonderful. We you know we pray over our show every week. We're Christians, so we pray over our show. And you know I always ask God to give what we do here long legs and wide arms. And um, we're seeing that prayer answered every day with the the doors that open, the people that have asked to come on our show, the people that say yes to me when I ask them if they'll come on our show. And it truly is a, a wonderful thing. And I just wanted to take a moment to to say that out loud instead of thinking it just to myself. But uh, it is time for our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report, which, of course, is one of my favorite things we get to do on this show. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. So why is it one of my favorite things? It's one of my favorite things because we we watch, you know, CNN, we watch Fox, we try to keep our eye on MSNBC and all the big uh networks to find out what both sides are saying what's going on out there and uh we always hear when a bad guy has done something horrible with a firearm right but how often do we get to hear when a good guy with a gun somebody who is a responsibly armed citizen has been able to stop the bad guy before he's even done anything Right. He had intent, but he he was met with with something that felt like force to him. And so or her and they 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 stop in their tracks or maybe they start to do the horrible thing they have in mind. And then a response be armed citizen stands up and and does something about it. Well, I I look around on different sites for examples of the good guy with the gun and they're hard to find. But when I do, I find the news clip so that, you know, we can't we're radio, so I can't show you the pictures, but we have the audio to go with it. And um, this week, what I wanted to be able to show you was something that happened two weeks to the day on June 26, two weeks to the day of the Orlando shooting in a bar, right, where 50 people were killed and, you know, more were injured. Well, this incident happened two weeks after it was at a bar, a bad guy with a gun shows up at the bar 
and began shooting people and was stopped almost immediately because of a responsibly armed citizen who had a concealed carry permit, had his firearm, and shot back at this guy. Why is that not on every single network showing, look, this is what could have happened, you know, if, if somebody had been responsibly armed in the bar? And people are saying, well, you can't have guns in bars. Well, you have designated drivers. They sit there all night and don't take a drink, right? But they manage to drive home safely. Why not designated defense people? I think it's an idea. I think it's something to talk about. And in this particular instance, it worked. And this man stopped a mass shooting, a mass murderer. And nobody says peep nothing about it. It, And it it frustrates me. Um, So I talked a little long on that. But I do want to get to the clip that I was able to find. I can't find that story. But I can find one about a naked guy smeared with poop who breaks into a woman's home. So this is the clip you get to listen to. A Marion County woman who shot a man must be forced her, forced into her home and followed her into her bedroom. Channel 9's Mert Price found out that deputies believe that suspect was drunk and at the wrong house when he was shot. Right now, investigators say the woman had no idea who the guy was. They say he showed up to her house looking to get in, and when she said no, that's when they say he kicked his way in and went after her. No, 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 no. Inside this home in a rural Marion County community, deputies say a 54-year-old woman was home alone at around 9 o'clock last night when 27-year-old Victor Etherington showed up. The suspect began knocking on her window demanding entry and, and she didn't know him, so she didn't let him inside the house. She told him to leave. But investigators say the suspect didn't go away. Instead, they say he kicked in the door and got inside. Deputies say the victim grabbed a 22 caliber handgun, her phone, and she ran upstairs to her room and locked herself in a closet. But they say Etherington followed her. The intruder uh, ended up with no clothes on in her bedroom. She was in her bedroom closet with her gun. Uh, he goes in the bedroom closet um, and she shoots him as he opens that door uh, once in the abdomen. The victim called 911 and gave deputies a play-by-play of what was going on. Emergency crews were on the scene in no time, and the suspect was rushed to the hospital. We learned the victim's husband is a reserve deputy. So far, the victim's name and the 911 call aren't being released. We also asked the sheriff's office whose gun was used during the shooting, but we're told detectives are still looking into that. Deputies told us the suspect was drunk, and he once lived in the home in the past. We rang the doorbell today at the home, but no one answered. As for the suspect, investigators say he underwent surgery, and right now he's in the ICU. They say he's facing charges, but so far they don't know which charges until after they find out why he broke into the home. In Marion County, Mer Price, Channel 9, Eyewitness News. I think the, news, say they I think the news report is wrong on that. The they said that he was uh, smeared with poop. <laughs> I think what happened is when he broke in the house and she had a gun, he's got poop. <laughs> You know, he pooped. Maybe. That's what would have happened if it would have been me. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That is just a crazy story. And of course, there's nothing funny about that, what that woman went through. No, but she was able to stop herself, stop him. That's what's awesome. And he's in the ICU. What does that stand for? ICU with poop all over yourself? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just just confused. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, you know, again, there's there's nothing funny about the the trauma that that poor woman went through. But um, it it just 
kills me that, you know, we can find a story about a naked poop smeared guy, but then, you know, here's this this great story that happened, and I forgot to say where the, the good guy with the gun story happened. It was at Playoffs Nightclub in Lyman, South Carolina, and um, we, we found the uh, article about it in um, the Independent Journal written by Justin charters so this man went into a bar he had a gun Mm -hmm. and he started shooting at people but a responsible armed citizen stopped it Mm -hmm. and it's not on the big news can't even get one of those local uh videos there's nothing there's one written article that's it the problem that really bothered me because this happened after florida right yes it happened after Florida, and we want to use that as an example to show... You think? This is what could have, may have. You know, they say that, well, there was an armed guard at the Florida deal. There was, but they shot him first because right. he was armed guard, and they knew it. Yeah. So. Wow. All right. Well, we've got to move along because right now it is time for Dan's Tip of the Week. I wish this could be Dan's rant of the day, but we'll have to do the tip of the week. Um, you know, we've been talking on on several of the shows about getting people involved with guns and, and introducing them to guns. I want to caution anyone that's doing that to make sure that first that they give them some basic training, keep an eye on them, and start them with a small caliber firearm. Don't go with a big 44 Magnum the first time they shoot. We're trying to introduce people into guns. They will work their way to the bigger calibers. Don't put a 10-year-old on a 12-gauge shotgun the first thing. Put them on a 410 and work their way up because we don't want to scare them out of this. And I know the old way was get the biggest gun you got, take the new guy out and shoot him and watch him fall on his butt. <laughs> That's not the way you do this. That's how so I was trained. <laughs> my rant real quick is... The Senate floor thing that happened where they did the set-in and Senate floor, very disrespectful. They ate on the Senate floor, which is against the rules. I just looked it up on the Internet. Hmm. And then one other thing, I want people to um, start uh, doing some research because there, I've got a uh, article from the truthaboutguns.com that guns used in the Paris terrorist attack may have come from Phoenix, Arizona through the Fast and Furious thing. So please do your research on that. Wait, Fast and Furious? It's not just a movie? Fast, it's not the movie Fast and Furious. It's a Fast and Furious thing that happened in Phoenix. And that uh, attorney... It's a gun-walking scandal. Right, it was under attorney uh, Holder. Eric Holder, Holder, who was the right. attorney general of the United States at the time. This and is brand new. We don't know if it's accurate or not, but just keep an eye on it. All right. We've got to run, but thank you so much to all of our guests. I know it takes time out of their lives to, to schedule us in and, and come on and, and lend their wisdom to us, and we really appreciate it. We thank you, listeners, for listening and for sharing the message to continue to give our show the long legs and wide arms and keep the, 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 uh, the news that we're talking about going and until next time pray for our nation pray for our leaders and be good to each other have a great week and god bless but only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and i have within ourselves the god-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known 
is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.